This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Hey, we want to talk about live streaming today. Yep, very cliche here. I'm going to say it. We're going to do a live stream about live streams. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, But in all seriousness, um, so many people are doing podcasts. So many people are sharing their content. And why not turn it into a live stream? Why not? Get your knowledge out there. So today we're going to, we're going to have Ross Brand on the show. He uh, has been an expert in the industry for a long time. Uh, actually, also recently published version uh, two of the 100 live streaming and digital media predictions. So I thought, why not talk about that topic? How do we decide if live streaming is right for us? How do we decide how to actually do a live stream and what goes into it? So. Let's see what Ross has to say. We'll get him out of the green room. Uh, I'm sure he's enjoying the complimentary drinks in there. But, Ross, it's time to talk. How are you? Hey, good to see you, Christoph. Give me a fist bump here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. That that spread that you had laid out in the green room was something else. <laughs> right? Yeah, the cheese. It's been there for months. Um, so Not every show does that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So, Ross, tell me why live streaming? Well, I mean, you got the live stream universe. You're, you're working with brands and, and, and uh, all kinds of people uh, making live streaming work. Why is live streaming so important? Why do you focus on it? Um, the, the thing that really makes live streaming special is your ability to interact with your audience. And so you have conversations with your guest. And then your audience can share comments in the screen. They can even call in and come on to the show. There's so many different ways to engage an audience and make them feel that they're part of the show and that they have access to you and that they're connected to you. So you can certainly talk to people. You can uh, get their questions. And, you know, it's interesting, too, when it comes to live streaming is um, it takes a while to build that audience. But I was on your show um, back, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and you had just a gazillion people commenting, a gazillion people having a conversation with you. And it's kind of a, so my, my question is going to be for you, how do you build that? Uh, but on the flip side too, like if we had all kinds of people just talking with us here, at some point, is it still a good show for TV? Is it still a good show for a podcast? Like, where do you draw that line? Do you know what I mean? Like the conversation works for life, but it wouldn't work for DB, DB television, for example. I think you can make it work by treating, there's a couple different ways. One way is you can treat your engagement with the chat as a segment. So you do some interview questions, you go to the chat, then you come back out of talking to the chat and you go back to another interview segment. And then you could always cut that out of the podcast or, you could cut that out of the TV show. The other way to do it 
is you just read a question from the chat when it's a good time to bring that question and you don't try and address everyone. But when there's a comment uh, or a question from the chat that helps move the show along, that brings a different perspective to the show, go ahead and bring that in. Yeah, I think that's actually kind of uh, my philosophy too. When there is a question, you know, you try to bring the question in and talk about it, but but you don't necessarily say hi to everybody as they come in. You say hi maybe in a segment at the beginning. That's kind of what you did, I think. Um, you know, early on, you were just chit-chatting, and then you dove into the topic after people showed up. And I guess that's, uh, you know, my format currently is we just jump in, right? There's whatever the countdown timer is, 30 seconds, and then then we just kind of jump into the topic. Now, but how do you build the audience that actually engages? I mean, I hadn't, I've never seen anybody do it the way you did it when you had just a gazillion people come. I mean, it was like right and left. I mean, you could have done a show <laughs> for an hour. Just, I mean, I'm not just trying to butter you up here, but you, that's how it happened, right? You could have just talked for uh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes with the people. Um, how do you, how do you build that kind of audience? I mean, it's consistency. It's um, not only consistency of going live and, Having Like I started out with a consistent show and then I kept mm-hmm. doing it at the same time, the same day. I promoted it a lot. Um, I had a lot of different guests on. I scheduled way ahead of time. And then after I started building an audience, then I started working with brands. So I also tapped into the popularity of, of their audience as well. So that's always one way to do it, of course, to, to partner with others who are who have similar audiences and and who already have a good outreach. Uh, I'm I remember doing the Twitter chat for uh, Semrush, and I mean it's like th- that was like the version of Twitter chats, like how your uh, live stream went. I mean it's like you couldn't even just answer questions; you had to like engage with people because there was so many people just talking to you. So they certainly have an audience. Twitter um, chats were intense back in the day when you got on a popular one. It's like, how do I keep up? And all the preparation you got to do ahead of time. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't, you really don't. So how do you, how do you recommend to brands to, how do they decide whether or not a live stream is right for them and how do they get started? I think they have to decide how's their interaction going with their audience. Could they help? build a better customer base, a more enthusiastic customer base? Could it help turn happy customers into ambassadors? You know, people all along the line from discovery through, uh, you know, people becoming enthusiastic customers and ambassadors, live streaming gives them that relationship with the brand that again is in real time. It's different than, passive participation which is listening to a podcast or watching a video this they actually get to to talk to a real human even if it's only through putting comments into the chat um it's it involves the user it involves the viewer it involves the customer as part of the show in in that way and it's it's just a unique aspect of of live streaming that Really, no other content, not even live TV, has that live chat and that live interaction. So that's that's the strength of live streaming. And and you got to identify with each different medium what is the strength of it and how does it advance your business. 
and that's the strength of live streaming for sure. Uh, it's about building that connection. Now, earlier today, I actually listened to the Good uh, Good Morning Podcasters podcast. And I, hope you, uh, I don't know if you listened to that before. It is, what is his name again? Of course, I'm not going to see it anytime soon here. Nope, I won't. Um, oh, here, Tanner Campbell. He's the producer and host and, and whatnot. And he was talking about when you have a podcast, and, and let's be honest, live streaming and podcasting, they're siblings, right? I mean, it's right. pretty, uh, they are certainly uh, the same family of content. Um, and he said, if you do a podcast uh, for a brand and executives always want to be involved, but then the executives don't ever have time to do anything with the podcast. And, you know, <laughs> even if it's just the 30 minutes to come on. So I, I see that. But also you have to figure out who are the people hosting the show, right? Because if you're saying, well, it's about building the connection, you have to have somebody who is, who's worthwhile to build a connection with, right? Who is engaging, who makes, you know, who, who, who is interesting to listen to, who is interesting to talk to and, and whatnot. How do you do that? How do you figure out who should do it from your company? Should it be the executives who don't have time? Or and but but who want the branding? I get it, you know. Um, or, or how do you move forward with finding that person that that uh, represents your company? Of course, it depends on who reaches out to you, right? So, if the head of marketing, let's say, reaches out, they may want to be the personality on it. It may be their idea. They got the go ahead, not necessarily an enthusiastic go ahead from the CEO, but they got the go ahead. Hey, try it, see what happens. Um, but generally, my way of doing it is much the same as when I worked as a as a sportscaster and I was booking guests on my shows or shows for other people. You know, imagine you're you have a football team. You start with the head coach, then you go to the starting quarterback, then you go to you know an all star position player, and you know when you you go down the line, and and then you you go to somebody might not be a starter but they might be from that hometown well it's the same way in a company obviously you'd like to get the ceo the founder if it's a startup uh and then you go to other top executives who's the second in charge or the third in charge uh, then you look for somebody from marketing or sales who's experienced at explaining the product and interacting with the public uh even sometimes somebody from customer support will make a great guest or host of a live stream because they can actually answer questions that customers may have about how you use a specific product. And, you know, the, the thing to keep in mind too is just because you up high on an org chart doesn't mean you're good on the live show. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean you're engaging. I mean, it, might, it means you, you certainly know something about the business, but can you carry on a conversation on a live stream with four lights blaring on you, you know, with uh, with people talking to you online. So just something to keep in mind um, that it's not we make it look easy, Ross and I, but it's not as easy as it, as it looks. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're blinded by lights. We have to think about what are we going to talk about next? We only have so much time and whatnot. Let's talk about uh, repurposing live streams for a second. And I, I really enjoyed your for a number of reasons. I, I enjoyed your um recordings episode that's right right recordings mm -hmm. episode yeah that's the name it, of the podcast uh, i don't know if your name is in there but recordings it's available on all the different podcast channels and you talked about 
uh, you turned on the Yes Network. And, of course, I'm a big, big Yankees fan. We watch just about oh, every wow. game in the season. <laughs> and I've watched that podcast before. And you talked about the Talking Yanks podcast is now shown on the Yankees, on the on the uh, yes, Enter- yes Entertainment Sports Network. Um, and it's just like us, right? It's just three dudes talking, typically three dudes talking about the Yankees. And it's no right. different. Uh, and, of course, our show is on DB, DB Television, uh, which is actually now going to be on actual cable systems. It was on Roku before and Amazon Fire, and now it's going on cable systems um, in, in some areas in the United States. So is that one way you should think about repurposing your live stream or, or how? That's a long way of asking you. How I, should mean, I, I think of repurposing as something you, you often, I mean, it's it certainly can fit, I guess, the definition of repurposing, but I see that as an incredible opportunity, whether it's a business opportunity, it's a growth opportunity, it's exposure, it's, um, it's credibility. I mean, I think it's amazing. And, uh, you know, as I said in that podcast, and not, not to take away anything from those guys, I, I appreciate the hustle. I appreciate what they're doing. Um, but I, I don't think that what they bring as hosts is any different than what we're doing and a lot of other people are doing. And in, in some cases, I, I think some of the people that we uh, know and we work with and such are probably just as good or better uh, than they are. But they, you know, they've been at it for a long time and they, they found an opportunity and they have their uh, kind of a distribution network. So I think that's where repurposing does come in. And that's a matter of taking your live stream, finding video clips for Instagram, finding a longer clip, or maybe the whole show uh, goes to YouTube after a few edits. And you also take the audio for a podcast. And now, of course, short form vertical video is everywhere. Yeah, certainly the 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 opportunities to repurpose never never change. Uh, I mean, never go, you know, never stop evolving. Quite frankly, I said that wrong there. Um, so on Switcher Studio, which we don't use today, but on Switcher Studio, you can actually uh, when you do a live stream, you can after the live stream is done, you can immediately go in and edit a piece from the live stream and then push it to social networks. So it's kind of interesting how quickly and how much easier all this production has gotten. Have you tried it yet? I, I just read about that the other day. Yeah, I just saw it. So I use, so we use Restream today to do mm-hmm. this show and I use Switcher Studio to do uh, softball games for my, for my girls. And as soon as it was done, I saw that and it was so interesting. You could literally, before leaving the program, edit the clip and then save it, share it, whatever you want to do with it. So things are getting easier and easier. Now you've been in the industry for a while, so have I. But how have you think? How have you seen things get easier when it comes to production? I mean, back, give us a flashback. You know, a few years ago, how much more difficult was it to actually do what we do today? Sure. So basically, to do what we are doing right now would have required a lot of learning. Um, and it may be an expensive, very expensive tool or a free tool with a huge learning curve. And now we have relatively affordable tools that uh, can do pretty much a lot of what you would see on a professional broadcast. You can change shots, you can add graphics, you can add lower third, you can put comments on the screen, you can change the layouts. All these things you would have required in OBS or a Wirecast, 
and now you know there's so many browser-based tools and uh apps and so forth that allow you some of that control maybe not to the extent of of an obs or wirecast but more than enough for the average live streamer you know and i mean if you look at restream i mean i i know you guys can't all see what i'm doing here but i have everything in front of me you know when i want to put up a new graphic so like i put up the book right i just click one button right here when when ross is on and so it is relatively easy. You know, I got the overlays going on. Um, and I would say it is, um, I think it's cheap, quite frankly, yeah. for businesses. I mean, I think Restream, you can use for, you know, under 500 bucks for the year or, or something like that. Under a thousand for sure. Uh, I mean, certainly that's uh, that's an affordable price. So let's talk about making a live stream interesting. So certainly, mm. you know, there is a, so here's what happens, guys. When when people book a live stream, I use Calendly. At the end of the live, at the end of their booking, they actually go to an article and it says how to be a good podcast guest. Every once in a while, people will say, "Oh, why do you, you know? Why do you have to tell me say that? It's passive aggressive." Here's the reality: I'm not passive aggressive at all. I'm aggressive aggressive, if anything. But but the point is, I'm I'm talking about here's the outline of the show. Here's what we're doing. We have to follow the flow, right? Like we're doing that right. pretty well today um, because, you know, we, 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 we planned it. We had, you know, uh, you read the article probably and you're a pro. So how do you make sure what's the right flow for your show and how do you figure that out? Some of it comes just from your personality and who you are and what you're trying to accomplish for me, I always tend to think in terms of three segments, and they don't have to be really well-defined segments, but um, if I were interviewing you, let's say, I might talk to you about your podcast and would be one segment in my head. I would talk to you about uh, repurposing live streaming videos, let's say, would be another segment, and a third segment might be about your blog or your website. Now, it could be three totally different topics. Like one could be how you got started in the business. One could be something you have coming up in the future. That's not so important as it is just to have a flow of topics. So you explore one, and then when that runs its course, or you have something to promote going forward. So you always have something to look forward to, something to recap. You know, earlier we talked about such and such. Coming up, we're going to talk about this. So as people are coming in and out, they can think, oh, I better go back after this and watch the replay, or I better stay tuned. Maybe the question that he's answering right now isn't for me, but the next one that he's going to talk about, that's a subject that I'm really interested in. So I think it's always having something to look forward to coming up and realizing that, you know, people's attention spans are kind of quick. So changing topics and uh, avoiding longer answers like I'm starting to get into right now can always be good to get the show moving. I mean, I don't necessarily mind longer answers, but you know, we, our show now is about 26, 27 minutes, mostly because of the TV spot. And for most episodes, that is only three to four questions, quite frankly, right? Because people, they're experts at whatever you're asking them about, and they can talk about that topic for a long time right so here we have nicole let's see nicole is coming from linkedin uh and great advice ross agree nicole thanks for tuning in 
Uh, and Nicole is actually, let's see here if that's Nicole's true a or not. Awesome yep. live streamer herself. So Nicole is actually coming from um, the paired live stream. So what oh, we nice. did is uh, restream, you know, um, uh, allows me to pair with different networks. So I, Ross can send it to all of his channels um, as well. And here we have uh, Sam, Eric Rutman. Thanks, Ross. I love the three segment approach. Now, the one question I have about that approach, though, is I have to be way more structured, right? Like right now, I'm like, okay, this is the next mm -hmm. question. This is the next question. Like I actually would have to put together more of an outline, I guess, and say these are the segments. Everything has to fit in the segments. Or am I going too black and white on you on this topic? Um, you know, I've done so much interviewing that, that to be honest, um, I usually don't have to write out questions. I just have a sense in my head of what I want to talk about when I invite the guest on. And then I think of, you know, usually I have a sense of three things. And, and then you kind of, at least for me, but I'm not dealing with clock issue that you are, because um, I can go pretty much as long as I want on, on many live streams. Or I've got either 45 minutes or an hour is usually when I have blocked out. But I, I then let the conversation go where it's meant to go. So if, if one of your answers is a breaking news thing or, you know, something that takes an unexpected turn, and I think it's of interest to me and the audience, I'm going to follow that. And I can throw out whatever the second and third segment are. At the same time, if the first segment doesn't have to be a third of the show, it could be, you know, two questions and I see it's not going anywhere. Now I've got something else to move on to. Um, but it's a totally by feel kind of thing. Um, but I understand if you're dealing with the under 30 minute show, then you have to be more structured with it than if you have 45 minutes to an hour. I think the, the key takeaway is nothing has to be so black and white as maybe some of us like to make it out to be, right? If, even if you have a segment, that doesn't mean you have to be like, the, this is eight minutes, this is eight minutes, eight minutes. And, you know, what's interesting too is, yes, my show is now 26, 27 minutes because of DBTV, but I also could have done a 57-minute show, right? Because it just has to fit in one of those windows. And what I found is 57 minutes uh, it's really too much for most guests, right? Because now, so 26 minutes, you're scrunching things in there. 57 right. minutes, you're stretching a yeah. lot of things. So, <laughs> so what are you going to do this weekend? And that's the other thing, like your segments, that's how I kind of break down an interview, but you can have segment before you go to your guest, right? So like on the that show that you were talking about that had you on, I did about 15 minutes, 20 minutes of news first. Then I brought you on for probably 25 to 30 minutes. And then I did about 10 minutes maybe of Q&A with the audience or uh, played some videos highlighting some things that happened in the past. Um, so there's other ways to use the time without uh, feeling like you've got to force the interview to be the entire show. However, you have the flexibility, again, if it's your show and, you know, you're not, you don't have commercials or anything, you have the flexibility to go, let's run through that last segment and keep Christoph for another 10 minutes because people are really interested in, in what he has to say. It's always, it's also interesting because how much, like, are you just doing a live stream or are you planning on repurposing it, right? So, um, and that's part of the problem you have to decide are you only doing a live stream or is the live stream 
the centerpiece of your repurposing strategy. So if you have a huge audience, maybe it's not about repurposing. Maybe it's about um, just doing the live stream as opposed to all those other things. Yeah. I mean, I think you can record your podcast or your TV show live as you are, and you take advantage of a little bit of the engagement, but then you could also just jump on and talk with your audience and not have to have it structured. Maybe you don't even have a guest. Um, but the other thing is, and we used to do this back in the blab days, you can always go into some post-show afterwards. So you could always stay on an extra 10, 15 minutes and converse with the audience after the podcast TV show recording is done and have that interaction that way. And then you can, you know, you can pretty much throw the structure out the window and just play it by ear. You know, people have questions, we stay on. People don't have questions or I've chatted with everybody or I've got to go to a meeting or whatever. So you keep it shorter on uh, on that term. Uh, but that's something that I think came out of the Blab days that I've used on my shows where, you know, if it's a very guest-oriented show and it's a short segment, like if I have three guests and each guest is, you know, going to be 10 minutes or something, I sometimes tell the guests, hey, if you want to, just stick around. We're going to do some post-show after and we can just chat. We can open it up. I can put a link for people to join us. And at that point, essentially, the recording is off for the podcast. Yes, I'm still yeah. recording it because that's what these platforms do, right? But as far as yeah. the podcast or, or a, a video for YouTube or whatever, that part of the show is is kind of over at that point. It'll go on. It's like the marketing and clock podcast when they, you know, the last five minutes, they only, they're just chit-chatting and they're saying it's no longer marketing and clock. And then they just go into chit-chat. I hardly ever listen to it, but there is five, 10 minutes of them talking about that. As a final thought here for me, Sam Eric sure. Rudman says, let the conversation go where it's meant to go. And I do agree with that sentiment. The one thing I would really caution people on is, yes, let it go where it's meant to go, but it does have to stay within the topic of the show. So Ross, if you or whoever, somebody comes on here and they're talking about something totally unrelated, like that's not where it's meant to go. It has to stay within. Oh, of course, of course. And you have every right as a host and really a responsibility to your audience to pull it back in. Get back over here really yeah, quickly. Exactly. We are out of time, but tell us how do people find you? How do they uh, work with you and, and, and who should reach out? Sure. Livestreamuniverse.com. And I work with individuals. I work with brands and uh, you can also find my book uh, in your carousel. Uh, people can check it out there as well. You bet. Thanks so much, Ross, for joining us and sharing your insights. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always fun. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Stories win.